Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the Insomnia Project. Sit back, relax, and listen as we have a conversation about the mundane. I shouldn't say the mundane because someone just wrote on iTunes that the topics aren't mundane. We're going to have a calm conversation. And hopefully, for you, this conversation will be less than fascinating so that you can feel free to just drift off. Thank you for joining us. We hope you will listen and sleep. I'm your host, Marco Timpano. Joining me in the studio is a friend and someone I'm very excited to have sitting across from me, Marilla Wex. Marilla, welcome to the Insomnia Project. Thank you so much. Marilla, first of all, I want to let our listeners know that you are a phenomenal recording artist. Wow. Comedian, dialect coach, writer, storyteller, producer, (laughs) artist. I don't know if I can put any other, uh, tack any other thing onto that, and I'm sure I could without sounding too excited because yeah. it's pretty awesome. You need to chill. I, I'll, I'll do my best. Um, and you have a comedy album out that just was released yep. that our listeners can get on iTunes, Spotify. Um, anywhere. Anywhere. Anywhere you can buy music, you can find it. And it's called All Mouth no, and No Trousers. <laughs> yes. And that's an idiom. We'll get to that okay. later on in the show. All right. But uh, I'm just going to say... Her comedy is brilliant. Thank, Thank you. you for explaining mushy peas. I'm going to just leave it there. A <laughs> uh, little hook there. But before we talk about any of those exciting things, let's talk knitting. Mm, knitting. The calmest of all activities. Unless you have a crappy pattern that you want to throw out of the window, then it gets less calm. This is the second episode that I have on knitting and crochet because I have listeners who have asked, specifically asked, can you do an episode on knitting and crocheting? And so when you said one of the things you love doing is knitting, it made me very happy. Well, my sister is also a fabulous and extremely talented fiber arts um, expert, and she teaches crochet. That's not my bag, just to be clear for the listeners. Um, We're on opposite sides of the fiber arts fence. So when she's here next year, maybe we can have her in to talk about crochet. Oh, I would um, love that. Yeah, I'm the knitter. So when I go home and sit in on her classes, 
I get to sit in the dog basket, which is where the knitters sit, which is fine. It's very comfy. Tell me, what got you into knitting is my first question. Right. So my great-grandmother lived with us um, for many years, and she taught me to knit and to cook baking specifically. It was tricky because she never weighed anything. She just did everything by eye. She was extraordinary. She could cut and, and butter bread with the same knife and with the, the loaf under her arm. Like she was proper old school um, British What's the name grandmother. of this resourceful woman? Well, we called her Nanny Butler and her name was Ivy. Okay. Um, but nobody called her Nanny Ivy. I don't know. It was very formal. We called all our grandmothers by their last names. So she, she, Ivy Butler. Ivy Butler. I love celebrating name. people so great. who play important roles in our lives and getting to know Ivy Butler's work through you <laughs> is fascinating for me. So she could butter bread and cut it at the same time. Yeah. Obviously, a person from a time where you had to be resourceful and right. had to do things and had to just be it, do it, and not make an excuse. Well, she. Well, I remember going to her house before she moved in with us and she still had an outside privy. And it was just a fabulous sort of pre-war council house, which is sort of social housing. And uh, all the decor, I remember even as a child thinking, this is so old-fashioned and it was so delightful. You know, there were, there were hand-crocheted antimacassars on all of the furniture. For those of you who don't know what an antimacassar is, if you're I, not I 112, <laughs> um, they were sort of crocheted cotton sort of doilies that you put on the backs of chairs and sofas so that men's hair oil didn't stain the furniture. So that was my great-grandmother's house. And she taught me to bake Victoria sponges and apple pies. And she also taught me how to knit when I was about six, I want to say. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And what did she first teach you to knit? Oh, the usual. The, okay. the, the first thing people knit when they learn is a scarf. So okay. obviously there were endless scarves and uh, this is dating myself, but um, the Doctor Who at the time wore a very long scarf. So of course me, uh, I was going to say my sister, but she gave up on the knitting, um, made my dad a very long uh, Doctor Who scarf. And, uh, and then I kind of let it go until I was in my early 20s. I think I was at university. It may have been later than that. I'm very old now. And um, suddenly decided that I wanted to pick it up again. And it's just been an obsession ever since. Like it's, my brother-in-law says I'm not very good at doing nothing. So if there's nothing to be done, I will sit and knit. That's great. Yeah. What's your favorite thing to knit now? Socks. Okay. Yeah. And, and my grandmother... Uh, Granny and Nanny Butler was um, apparently renowned for knitting socks overnight, which is she must have been using quite thick yarn because it takes me and I've been doing it for years. It takes me at least, I would say, four or five evenings of two to three hours at a pop to knit a pair of socks wow. using proper sock yarn. So I think she was knitting quite thick woolly socks. But she would do it for people's birthdays. She'd start in the evening and the next morning there'd be a be done. magical pair of socks Amazing. waiting for them. We spoke with Caitlin Driscoll about knitting socks and she was explaining how to do the turn mm. and how to do turning the, the heel. Turning yeah. the heel, yeah. yes. I don't um, even need to look at the pattern anymore. Wow. it's I've knitted so many pairs 
that, and that's funnily enough, what I'm in the middle of doing right now is socks for all my family for Christmas because they love them. Once you've had hand knitted socks, it kind of breaks you. Exactly. From store bought. You, you don't want anything but. No. You can't. It doesn't feel the same. No. I have fingerless gloves <gasps> that someone knit me. They're the best. And I may have talked about this on the podcast before, but I'll just, it's just such a great story. I was in a show, a Christmas show in Prince George. Right. And Karen Anderson, who listens to the podcast, was working on stage. She was doing lighting. She was also the carpenter who built this beautiful set. But she, they built her booth so that it was on stage so she could oh, cue wow. lights and look like she was part of the show, wow. which was a – it was called It's a Wonderful Life, the radio play. So we were in a recording studio oh, doing the play so... in front of the audience. And doing It's a Wonderful Life? Yes. Zuzu's Petals? Yes. Oh, that and sounds sh- like my dream job. It's such a great show too. Who did it's, you play? I played various roles. <laughs> <laughs> One of those various roles. And I loved it. I loved every role I played. And she would knit at the top of the show because we weren't on air yet. Right. And she was knitting these gloves. And I was like, oh, those gloves look so great. Yeah. She was like, yeah, aren't they? And I was like, yeah, how do you? And I was asking her questions. And I really admired them. It's she, very te- – fingerless gloves are quite technical. Yeah. They're, they're sort of a step up from socks. Sure. I'm knitting uh, – that's what I'm going to be knitting in the new year is, uh, is fingerless gloves. Amazing. I'll show you the pair that <gasps> yes, she knit please. for me. And – I was admiring them. Little did I know, my wife had hired her to <gasps> make me those gloves. And so we came back home, and for Christmas, I opened oh, them up. And, and I the saw the gloves, gloves that she made. And it was like, they're one of my most prized oh, yeah. possessions. Oh, yeah. I but can believe it. Let's talk yarn. Mm. You don't often hear someone say that. Tell me let's about... Let's talk yarn. Today on Yarn Talk. Tell um, me about the yarn you like. Because my mom's a knitter. Mm. And she is often asked to make baby clothes. And she hates it when people bring her yarns. Oh, no, please she's like, don't. I, and she goes, it's rough. I don't like to make baby clothes with yes. this yarn. It doesn't feel right. Yep. And Anything that's, hard that's to a explain. garment. Mm-hmm. I mean, I will... So I usually start with the yarn before the pattern, unless it's something very specific. Mm-hmm. I will go into Romney Walls on Queen West, which is... it's. I took my mom in there, and she was overwhelmed like there was too much yarn okay and she said i can only look at the sock yarn wall and then i have to leave it's like being in a museum that's too big and you can only do like a few rooms before your brain gets full that's what romney walls is like my mom sends me to a place on orphis road (laughs) (laughs) is it an outlet that i don't know of some sort of it's industrial it doesn't sound beautiful like this place you go to and she won't tell me the exact name she'll just say it's called precious pink Patent, and okay. I'll go there, and I'll be like, I'll ask the person, that, and I'll be like, I need precious pink patent, yeah. And they'll look at me like, Do you need sports knit or oh. this knit? And I'll be, and I'll be like, I'm not sure. And then I'll call my mom, and she'll be like, You know what I need? I need it. And she's like, Just tell them I need it. I'm making this. And sometimes she'll, she won't give me the right name, so it won't be precious wow. pink. It'll be like pretty in pink. And okay. we're looking for hours for precious That's pink. That's not and okay. Marco's mom. That's, that's what she does to me. Harsh. And I go to these places not knowing. Now I feel like I know so much about yarn. I can now I know exactly where to go when she tells me, and I'll just yeah. call her. I'm like, "Do you want the light blue, the dark blue?" That and she's like, "I need that's this." That's impressive. And then, yeah, now I know yarn because I have to purchase it for my for my mom. Wow. Well, I I normally go into Romney 
and go downstairs because that's where all the discounted yarn is. And it just means that there isn't enough for a project or it wasn't very popular or whatever reason, it's like a discontinued yarn. And then I will just buy a bunch of it that I like and then I will decide what to make with it. But sock yarn for me is always a winner because I can make toques, fingerless gloves, socks, uh, scarves sometimes. I also make tiny jointed bears. Oh, They're like antique bears um, with button joints. Sock yarn's great for this. And basically any pattern, especially if it's, you know, I have a lot of godchildren, especially if it's a kid's toy, if you can make it in sock yarn, it just, you just take the same pattern, make it in sock yarn and it's tiny and then it's instantly cuter. So that's what I tend to do, unless it's something like I made my goddaughter's christening gown. Oh, wow. I needed very specific Debbie Bliss um, silk. I mean, I think I spent $150 just on the yarn because it was her christening gown. Sure. So, you know, she wore it, I think, until she was about three or four. <laughs> she was determined that it would still fit her. Um, and now it's hanging up in her closet and it will end up probably being a doll's dress or something. Doesn't but matter. it was like... I really went to town. It had cabling and lace. It was pretty intense. Um, so if it's for a specific project, but otherwise I'm good at substituting yarn as long as I know. Like right now I'm making my sister um, a Dutch cartoon character. Oh, cool. Called Miffy, who's a rabbit. Love it. Which was, um, a you know kids books when we were very little. We're both very fond of Miffy. And so I'm making my sister a Miffy. <laughs> Christmas. Amazing. I yeah. hope she appreciates them. Oh, you... well, my sister makes, my sister is an expert in amigurumi crochet, which is Japanese style oh, yes. crochet that you make um, animals mm. and dolls and stuff from. So yeah, we, I do knitted versions and my sister does crochet versions. So, so if you're making Miffy for your sister, yeah. what do you hope your sister is making for you? Well, she did tell me to leave okay. a lot of space in my suitcase um, this time. Um, so I asked her to make me a sign for my recording booth that said something like Rill's moneymaker or something of that ilk. It will probably have swears in it because my sister and I do enjoy the swears. I love it. And um, so she also does, um, she, she does a lot of fabric art. So I don't know if she's going to sew it or crochet it. It could be that. Um, but she, I mean, she always wins the Christmas uh, competition of who's made the best thing. Wow. So... But she did already warn me to have extra space in my case. So I don't know if it will be a sign or a, or a character. Because last year I made her a clanger, which is like a 1970s British um, stop motion animation that Oliver Postgate made. And they've just started remaking them. Okay. Um, this was a really intense pattern that I got from my friend Kate Atherley, who's quite a famous knitting designer. Um, and she just had the book sitting on her desk. And I said, oh, and she said, would you like to borrow it? It's like, yes, please. So I made my sister a clanger. And the year before, I made her a Hello Kitty with a sewn polka dot dress. Um, so, yeah, it's it it's a bit of a competition. Oh, this is great. Yeah. Um, speaking of clangers. Yes. One of my biggest. There's another great segue. I'll sometimes turn what Speaking I say. Speaking of clangers, I'll turn my my say what I say on air into memes because I oh, say good. the most ridiculous things. Good. So speaking of clangers is going to be one of That's them. That's pretty good. 
Have you ever had the pastry at Clanger? Because it's my deepest desire to have a Devonshire Clanger. I think it's called Devonshire Clangers. Okay. So I don't know what this is. A Clanger is where they take a pastry. Yeah. And back in the day, you would uh, segment it. So it would be savory. The Devonshire Clanger is such. Right. Savory on one end. Yeah. Sweet on the other. Right. So generally speaking. Like a it, Cornish pasty and then a Danish on the other yeah, side and fused you divide together. It, and you divide it in between with a bit of pastry Genius. so that the workers could have. Oh, yeah. It as their lunch, they would, they would have the pork or yeah. beef, yeah. and then they'd flip, or they'd get to the end, and then they'd have their dessert, which was the other I end. have never heard of this. That's so smart. I watch a lot of British baking shows, because oh, that is my... That's that a happy my, place. That is such a happy place. Oh, so when Sandy Toxvig. Sandy Toxvig oh, yes, yes. is one of my favorite humans. See, and I like Sue and Mel. I do love Sue and Mel. With such... Anyone who's listening who doesn't know. This like, is really niche. Uh, Great I, British Bake Off yes. stars. Love it. Yeah. Love it. And did you see the Canadian version with... I did with uh, with Dan Ka- Levy. No, with Carolyn and Aurora, the latest one. Oh, yeah. No, I like that one as well. Oh, they're so... They were... Well, I mean, honestly, okay. they're we, brilliant. Any any baking show for me is a happy place. You said you're, you said Ivy Butler taught you to bake. Ivy Butler did. What did she teach you to bake? So... Pie crust. I teach a lot of people how to make pie crust because it seems to be one of those things that um, people get nervous of. And it's super easy. So I've taught a lot of people how to make pie crust. What's your secret? Honestly, the secret is kosher margarine. Really? Yeah. I mean, if you want really, really good, if we're talking apple pies or any kind of fruit pie, um, and the reason I learned this is because we used to keep kosher in the house. And so I, or if I was making stuff for friends who keep kosher then you don't want to put butter in the pastry in case it's a meat meal um and so i was like "Ugh, i have to use kosher margarine fine and found that it made the best pastry so scandalous isn't it no i think it's a great it's a tip (laughs) that people will hear and be like try it thank you and we're talking about the brick margarine not like a tub like it has to be sort of solid like butter and is it fairly easy to find in your local grocery store? I mean, we get it at the Loblaws at okay. Bathurst and St. So, Clair. So it's, you know, anywhere, <laughs> I feel like anywhere along Bathurst where there's going to be Jews, there'll be some kosher margarine. Fair enough. Yeah. And if you don't happen to live near Bathurst and you're listening <laughs> somewhere else, just go to your grocer right. and ask. We have a lot of listeners in the UK too, so just oh, ask. Or just block margarine. Anything that, that, that looks sort of like the old school white stuff before they put the yellow color in it to make it look like butter okay it's really good i love it i know and i still make butter pastry but Mm. i yeah i was surprised that it made really good pastry do you cook any or do you bake any jewish streets um not really my my cooking tends to be old school british meat and potatoes and lots of pie so um if I'm honest, if I'm gonna, if for the high holidays, my husband keeps still keeps kosher on the high holidays, so I will just go to a Jewish grocery okay. and get like kugel and stuff Yum. like that. So there's yeah. a great. My mom and I just drove by a great, my favorite um, bagel. Do you know Kiva bagel <gasps> yeah, on Bathurst? Yeah. And we drove by, and I didn't oh, have no, time I'm to hungry. stop. And you know, it it still brings a pang to my heart because we drove by just yesterday, and I wanted to stop, but I was. My mom wanted to go to the cemetery, yeah. and she was like, she was on a bit of a mission, and I knew if we did this little deviation, I would be late for my next thing I had yeah. to do. So I was like, now all I want is a Kiva bag- yep. bagel. Now I want a Kiva bagel. Well, okay. 
Let's, before we get to the end of our podcast, I want to talk about your comedy album okay. and your dialect coaching. Okay. But what is the name of your comedy album? You said there is, at the top of a show, you said there's, or you, prior to us getting on air, you were saying that it has a meaning. Right. So it's called All Mouth and No Trousers, which um, when I used to do uh, songs in my stand-up sets uh, with my ukulele, I do parody songs, and I used to jokingly say, this is from my Juno award-winning album, All Mouth and No Trousers. It was like a throwaway line that used to make me laugh. Um, Very self-indulgent. And so when... Alison Dorr, who produced this album, asked me what I wanted to call it. My immediate reaction was all mouth and no trousers, not really taking into account that that sounds a bit sexy to the North American ear, potentially. And it doesn't have anything like that context or meaning in the UK. If somebody is all mouth and no trousers, it basically means they can talk the talk, but they can't walk the walk. So it's just a lot of hot air. Um, so yeah, I, people have been like, why did you call it that? And I thought, yeah, it's not supposed to be like a sexy times reference. It's just a funny thing to say in England. I love it. Thank you. Uh, and once again, you can purchase that album anywhere you listen to music, Spotify, iTunes and whatnot. I highly recommend it. Thank you. You are also a very accomplished dialect coach. I am. How did you get into that? Um, weirdly, because lots of not weirdly, but like I sort of fell into it because a lot of Canadian actors wanted to learn how to sound like me because there is a a surprising amount of need for standard British or RP, which is received pronunciation dialect in Canada. I think there are a lot of British immigrants here, so that accent still has quite a lot of play. And because we do a fair bit of historical drama like Murdoch Mysteries, there is always room for British accents on Canadian television. And even weirdly, um, co-productions with American companies, especially um, historical stuff. So I sort of got asked enough times to do it that I realized it was something that I enjoyed doing. And then I ended up working on the TV show Rain, which, although it was about uh, Renaissance France, everybody spoke like me because that means oldie worldy. Of course it does. And so I was helping the uh, main cast to sound like me. And then I ended up working on, um, oh, see, this is where perimenopause comes into play. And I can't think of words. Um it doesn't matter. No, it does. It's really important. It, I'll let you think about it for a moment. <laughs> I shouldn't say it doesn't matter because it does matter. No, no. I'll wait. give you a moment to think. It's, it's, it's oh. Merla's making herself sound ancient. And when she told I'm me 50. how old you look, <laughs> I would have guessed <laughs> early 40s at God the bless oldest. You. That's all I'm going to say. Well, it's great for animation because I don't sound 50. I know. And, uh, Except when I talk about knitting. I think I think knitting's <laughs> getting a resurgence. Um, I'm going to ask you while you're thinking. I'm going to yes. ask you a question because my f- wife's family, so my family, yeah. uh, my extended family, is from Boston originally. And one <gasps> that's of that's a good accent. My, and they have. If you ever want to know how to do a true Bostonian accent, yeah. listen to the Insomnia Project episodes I do with my father-in-law, oh, does it Dan properly Parker. come out? Does yours it, it, come out, though? No. I, I, oh, no. Amanda's family. Amanda, is, right, it's right. her dad, got and it. he's got the proper, proper Bostonian accent. Yeah. You want to 
you want to develop if you're yeah. if you have to do that on stage because right. what i inevitably end up doing with my family when i go to visit them in florida they live in florida now yeah. is we will watch movies that take place in boston and i'll never get to watch the movie right because the entire time it's my in-laws explaining to me what who things? who has the right accent st- who has the oh, wrong accent welcome to my world and and they're always impressed when a non New Englander can do the Boston accent. Right. So Melissa Leo in uh, the bo- um, that boxing film, I can't think. It's not called The Boxer. But um, anyways, her accent, she won the uh, Oscar for it. Mm. They were very impressed with right. a New Yorker doing a proper Boston yeah, accent. That's that's impressive. So my question to you is who does a proper oh. Accent that you're a really like, good one. Yeah, that you're like, they're okay, good. Okay, so I just want to say it was designated survivor before okay. I forget. Um, and no, Kiefer Sutherland never has to sound English. It was a bunch of the MI5, MI6 characters. Um, who does a really good British accent? To be honest, I'm more impressed by the amount of British actors who are in uh, US TV. That, like, do, a, that do a oh, proper... Yeah, Hugh Laurie, um, Andy Lincoln... Um, basically, half the cast of Walking Dead is from is from the UK. Right. Um, Do you well, watch The Good Doctor? I haven't yet. Okay, because Amanda's impressed with one of the American accents that one of the uh, doctors, the young doctors, okay. does. I can't. Remember. I think her name is Camilla, but I could be wrong. Right. She's, she's British, and right. she just. Well, it's like there's a the the Indian actress from well the Indian actress that's pointless tautologist from Bend It Like Beckham the star of Bend It Like Beckham whose name escapes me I is, love her too and I oh, can't think who's in The Walking Dead pitch perfect American accent and I was looking at this actress thinking I know her from somewhere she's in The Walking Dead yeah she's in The Walking uh, she's in Fear the Walking Dead oh, okay okay and so I saw her and was. It's driving me nuts, so I had to look her up on IMDb. Okay. And then I was like, of course she is. But because out of context, I, my brain was very confused. So to go back to your original question, um, Peter Dinklage does not do a good British accent. I, I think God most bless. people can And the fact that he's such a good actor got yeah. me through all seasons of Game of Thrones. Um, who's good? I have a very good Who friend of mine. Who good? Um, her name is Lucy Evely. I've had right. her on the show. We went to see a play together. It oh. was here in Canada. And she said one of the funniest things I've ever heard. So all the actors on stage mm. were doing a British accent. And mm. the play was, I thought, was great. Yeah. I won't mention the play or the Very actors. Very good. But L- Lucy's like, she said, it was like they were from different parts of England oh, yeah. in the same sentence. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, that, yeah, there's... There's a specific video game that I worked on that mm. they did a trailer for that will remain nameless, supposedly by a British actor. And all the British actors who worked on that video game that I know all got together and said, where do we think this guy was from? Because right. he wasn't from England. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's like it's like watching my husband sit through a liberal bar mitzvah service and he's listening to the terrible Hebrew and he's twitching that's sure. that's me okay. at a play I I saw um, when I, w- I was actually in Railway Children when they did it here about eight ten years ago how wonderful is that it was it was delightful oh. and uh, we went we were all invited to go and see the touring production of Billy Elliot mm-hmm. and the only kid the only person, the only actor in the entire show who nailed the accent was a Chinese kid from Chicago who yeah. played Billy. Everybody else, and to be fair, Newcastle is a really difficult accent to nail. For some. 
I well, <laughs> I can do it, but like that's because I'm a dialect coach and I'm from the UK and my sister went to university in Middlesbrough. So like I had a lot of exposure to I'm that being, accent. I'm being so facetious because oh, if you so heard, hard. I would make your ears bleed if you heard me even attempt oh, the British it's, accent. It's, it's, so the, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No. But the new, Newcastle accent, tricky one to do Very, for most people. And the, the second well, I think the hardest is where I'm from, which is Birmingham. So for all of you not in the UK, because I'm sure the UK people already know this, but for anybody who's watched Peaky Blinders, there are two actors in that show from Birmingham and everyone else is doing a really bad job. Oh, wow. It's I couldn't watch it. Really? And I was so excited because it was a historical drama set in what's the biggest city closest to where I grew up. And uh, it's all horrible. It's kind of, I can imagine because it's kind of like, and you're Canadian as well, right? Yeah. You're British Canadian. Yeah, yeah. Does this drive you nuts as a Canadian when you hear people doing a Canadian accent on film and television mm. and they, they're clearly not? And they do the, I, I admit, yeah. I say out and about. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not out and about. It's not out and about, out and about. It's yeah. not, or they'll try to do things that's like, I see where you're going, yeah. but that's not it. Well, yeah, and mm. I wouldn't profess to be able to do a distinctive Canadian accent mm. myself. I'd stent, I'd tend to stay away from North American because mm. it's not what I get booked for. Sure. But I've just done two audiobooks back-to-back set in BC where the main character is British and there are Japanese characters, um, Russians, Brits, Canadians, so... I mean, my it's it really my Canadian characters basically sound like they're from North America, but they say sorry. Right. Um, so that's the only I don't do Utnaboo. Right. It's basically general North American with sorry. And because there are also American characters sure. in there who are from Chicago and New York. So it's especially for things like audiobooks where you're playing all the characters. I think you have to be really careful yeah. not to go too crazy. And as long as it's you can listen to it without wincing, I feel sure. like you've won. But yeah, I, I do hear terrible Canadian accents. Okay. Yeah. I bet you would be great in Come From Away. <gasps> I bet you would be great in oh. that, doing the accent of Newfoundland there, Gander well, accent. Well, weirdly enough, the first Newfie I ever met um, is Andrew Ivy Me, who is also quite a famous podcaster he does stuff on uh, marvel comics and um he's a comedian and when i met him i thought he was from belfast there you go and i was really confused he just landed in toronto wow and his accent completely threw me because he sounded like everybody i'd just been living with in belfast so yeah i could probably nail that um, with some coaching. I would love to see you come from away. <laughs> All right. On that note, we've actually gone over time because I've just enjoyed talking with you. So this is a bit of a longer episode for our listeners. Um, I hope to have you back in the studio because yes. I enjoyed my time, Marilla, with you so much Thank here. Thank um, Once again, look Marilla up, listen to her audiobooks, and definitely listen to her CD, um, All Mouth and No Trousers. Marilla, thank you. And to our listeners, today's episode was recorded in, and I'll say it with a Canadian accent, Toronto, Canada. <laughs> <laughs>